It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back to the home stretch here on Silver and Black Today, the Tuesday edition. Mo Moten, Scott Goldbranson, back with you talking all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Do us a favor, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. If you're with us on YouTube, hit the subscribe and the notifications bell, and we will jump in there and have fun with you in the chat. Thanks for all being there, and thanks for your support here of Mo and I on the show. Mo, we were talking about Coach Pierce on the way out of the last uh, to the last break and whether or not he's the guy, we don't know yet. But to me, I look at it this way, two and two, he beat two bad teams. He lost to two good teams. Okay? So take take that for what it's worth. Now you get the bye. He's going to get a week to look at how things have gone over four weeks. Okay? And the t- entirety of the season, too. Obviously, his coordinators are the same for the most part. And he now can make adjustments and decide, okay, here's the plan of attack for the last five games of the year. What are we going to do differently Are there changes that we're going to make from a lineup perspective? We talked about, obviously, Marcus Peters on his way out the door. Are there other changes? Are we going to see some of these younger players involved? If I'm Champ Kelly, I'm I'm interjecting myself to say, hey, AP, we got to see what some of these kids got. We got to see what Sylvester has. We got to see more Trey Tucker. We got to get that, which will require more creativity and aggressiveness on offense. So in my view, Mo, he's now got, it was, it was a nine-game audition. Now it's, it's reduced to a five. Because I think at 500, the jury's still out. I think we don't know yet. You can root for him to succeed. Great. That means you're rooting for the Raiders to succeed. Nothing wrong with that. But this becomes almost like a mini season. You got five games left. Couple tough ones on there. And then other games that are winnable. Okay. I think he's got to prove over these five games that he can win, not motivate. Motivating's great. Everybody loves the fairy tale, Mo. We all like happy endings. Take that the right way. Okay? But don't, <laughs> you can't get caught up in, see, we're still a family show. Kids kids know about fairy tales. Um, but we, we can't get caught up in the whether you like the guy or not. Now it has to become about results. Do you see players progress? Do you see the offense progress? Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't care. Even if they go two and three, if they fight and scratch and the offense is creative and they're just losing games because they don't have the bodies, okay, fine, great. But I think that's what we have to see. We have to see that he can prove that he can adjust, that he can change things over a bye week and get better at managing game and managing the talent he does have. So I'm going to talk to the people who have done hiring in their lifetime because I've <laughs> had to hire people. Believe it or not, I've had to hire people in my lifetime, right? 
Do you hire a person without looking at their complete resume? Do you just look at half the resume of the first page? I know a resume is supposed to be one page these days, but do you just look at the cover letter and say, oh, we're going to hire this person? Because as right now, Antonio Pierce's resume is incomplete. It, it's You just talked about it. There are five games left in the season. Why are the Raiders, why should the Raiders make a decision on a head coach when you still have a third of the season left? Now, they have a buy in there, but they have to make some changes, as we talked about, maybe to their offensive and defensive uh, personnel. So there is some coaching that has to be done even on their buy. So you have a third of the season left and some decisions to make. Let's see what those decisions result in. How do the Raiders fare in the last third of the season before we start crowning a guy to be or not to be head coaching material? So, again, I want to see the complete resume before I make a decision on on a a major hiring. And I think that's a fair assessment. The people out there who want to just make him the head coach now, I think a lot of that is because he's homegrown. He's from Compton. He grew up a Raider fan. So you want to see him succeed, which is fine. Sure. But when you're making a big boy decision, as Mark Davis is going to have to make in this offseason, you have to let it play out. You have to mm-hmm. let the season play out because it's still a, a meritocracy. It's still a results-based business. You want wins. At some point, the moral victories run out and it gets stale. You're tired of just competing. You want to win football games because we're not in the business of, oh, we were close. Oh, we were competitive because that doesn't help you keep your job. Winning football games helps you keep your job. It's that simple. No, I I agree with you 100%. And and I think it's not not a light thing to talk about how – I think Raider Nation looks at Antonio Pierce as one of their own. Although I'd never heard really anybody talk about him until this happened and they found that out. But that's okay. You find out what you find out. But I get that. You want to pull for somebody. You feel like they're one of you, right? And so the relation there, I get that. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Again, he's, he's your head coach. If you're a fan, he's your head coach. You want him to win, not just because you want him to do well, but because you want your team to win. So I get that. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you have to be able to go out and prove it. And I don't, I saw a lot of people that I respect say, oh, he just needs an offensive coordinator. Really? How do you know that? Has he managed a game well? Has he managed a team through adversity towards wins and overcome those? Has he made adjustments? Well, if his offensive coordinator was better, guess who makes the final choice and decisions? I mean, yes, he's calling the plays. But you don't think an off- you don't think Antonio Pierce can go over to Bo Hardigree and say, "Hey, Bo, uh-uh, that stuff you're doing, forget about it. I want to go this direction." He can. He's the guy. He's the head guy. He's the CEO of the football operation on the field. Okay, that's part of being a head coach. It's not just standing there and looking agitated. You, you <laughs> you're in charge of it all, and you can overrule your offensive, defensive coordinator and dictate the way the game plan is put together. That's that's one of the the core jobs too. So to me. There's not enough there to, to, for me to say, yeah, he should be a coach, or if he had the right offensive coordinator, he'd be fine. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, right? He did a great job coaching up those linebackers in his job as a position coach. We saw improvement on the defense before this week when they were just outmanned and outgunned, and Max Crosby wasn't 100%. So, so those things, it's too early, and you can't, to your point about hiring, though, the first thing you don't do besides hiring family, <laughs> is, is you don't hire or make any decisions on emotion. 
Emotional Correct. decisions are never good decisions. Do they sometimes work out as good decisions? Yes, that's yes. by chance, okay? But overall, anybody who manages a business, manages people will tell you emotional decisions are bad decisions. So that said, you have to wait till the end of the season. You got five more games. If Antonio Pierce wins one more game or two more games, okay, and he goes four and five over the final nine games, are you going to tell me if that was Josh McDaniels, you wouldn't want him fired? Because to your point about meritocracy and, 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 and results, you have to go with the results, no matter if you like the guy or not. If, if the Raiders had the same record that they will have under Antonio Pierce at the end of the season, of course, I'm just making assumptions, as they would under Josh McDaniels, everybody would scream, yes, and Josh McDaniels was a dick. Nobody liked him. I get it. You like this guy. But that doesn't change the fact that the record wouldn't be worthy of somebody earning the head coaching position. The other thing is, and I mentioned this, is Antonio Pierce is also competing with other candidates. So I know a lot of Raider fans like Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions. I know they had a stinker on Thanksgiving, but Ben Johnson is still relatively high, highly respected off of young offensive coordinator. So you're telling me if the Raiders go, I don't know, 7 and 10, 8 and 9, and Ben Johnson says, I want to be the head coach of the Raiders. You're going to turn down Ben Johnson for Antonio Pierce, who, went, who won seven, eight games? I'm just saying that you have to – The one part of the reason why you have to let the season play out is because you're going to be comparing Antonio Pierce's resume, though abbreviated, to other candidates. And you have to make the best decision on the candidates based on what they've done in the league so far. So I know a lot of fans love Antonio Pierce. But I also know a lot of fans want Ben Johnson. So if they're both up for the job and they both interview and you like both of them, which one are you choosing? Because that that could be a decision the Raiders have to make. Even if Ben Johnson's not available, let's say he wants to coach somewhere else, there are going to be other guys with impressive, possibly impressive resumes. Because a lot of fans have told me that the Raiders' job is an attractive job, right? Right. So that means you're going to have high appeal what, what 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 about? And I'm not I'm not advocating for this because I have my reasons for not because of this season, and I'll explain that soon. What if it's Eric Bieniemy? What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And a lot of fans like Eric Benamy too. And, th- and that's all I'm saying is that you have to open up. You can't. Mark Davis made a comment after he fired Josh McDaniels. He said he wasn't going to be swayed before the offseason to make a decision because open he made the decision on Josh McDaniels before the Raiders got to the offseason. He was already locked on Josh McDaniels. He said he doesn't want to make that mistake again. And I think what a lot of people are making a mistake with is, Oh, you see what happened with Rich Passaccia. He let Rich Passaccia go, and Rich Passaccia responded to him, and you don't want to make that mistake again. We talked about self-overcorrecting past mistakes or things that you think were mistakes, and I think that's the trap that a lot of people are falling into. They're comparing it to Rich Passaccia. But as I said, it's different because Antonio Pierce has a tougher hill to climb with a rookie quarterback, a first-time play caller. You really can't compare 
their runs as interim head coaches is a totally different season, totally different situation. You just have to go on the resume and make the best decisions. You said, take the emotion out of it. Pretend Antonio Pierce is from Utah, wasn't a Raider fan, grew up, I don't know, grew up a, a Denver Broncos fan or something. And, and just judge it based on numbers, resume, and results. Forget all the feely, the good feely, he grew up a Raider stuff, because that's not going to win you football games at the end of the day. No, and, and and before we get off it, I want I just want to say too that the Rich Basaccia story has just it's done. Stop, stop. <laughs> because here's the deal, and I know a lot of the national media too. I, I hear it this year during games. Well, Raiders they probably they probably realized now after they saw what happened with Josh McDaniels that they made a mistake. That Rich Basaccia they should have just given him the job. Yeah, yeah. He's a really like guy. He's a good, good, good man, and he did a great job. When he took over the Raiders. There's no question about it. But let me ask you this, Mo, and I think I know the answer. How many teams offered him a head coaching position? Zero. None. Right? He's he's doing what he does best, special teams in Green Bay. They, they struggled there his first year, but they've turned it around. They had a big win, obviously, against the Lions. So, so stop talking about Rich Bisaccia. He was not a head coach. He was not going to be a head coach. He interviewed for one other job, didn't get it. God bless him and his family, okay? Let me say that. But he wasn't a head coach. Let go. The past does nothing for you. You remember the past, you enjoy the past, you learn from the past. But you can't live in the past. So don't compare Basaccia to Antonio Pierce. Different situations, different men, different strengths, all that stuff. And so to me, to your point, you, you got to wait and see who's out there, who's available. Is anybody a guarantee? No. If it's Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. Can he still coach in the NFL? Probably. I don't know. I think he'll end up in yes. Chicago. That's just me because he knows he can get a quarterback and the top of receiver in the draft all within three picks. So if I'm him, I'm going there. But he may. He's got a Raider connection. So to your point, you have to wait and see what that sort of pool of people look like and what names are out there. And, and you're right. Mark Davis, to his credit, is going to give it some time and figure out what's the best choice he's going to make. Hopefully he's getting good advice, too. Um, to, to make that next hire. Uh, but Mo, before we check out of here for, for this, 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 uh, show and for this week, we're going to take a little bit of time off too with the buy, but let me ask you this. When you look at this team heading into the buy and Antonio Pierre, what are the two biggest decisions in your mind or two biggest things that he needs to focus on during the buy week to come back after it? get after it and get this team back on the winning track. First things first, how does the offense sustain its productivity past the first 20 to 25 minutes of a football game? They have to figure out their second gear. What's their counterpunch? I posted this on the X on Sunday night. The Raiders come out firing. They come out throwing their opening punches and they land. The problem is once the other team adjusts, they have to counter that adjustment. And they have to figure out what the second gear of this offense is. When the offensive line is not protecting well, when the run game isn't chewing up three to four yards per carry, what do, do they do? What's their second plan of attack? You know, they have to they have to work on that at practice. The other thing is we talked about Marcus Peters. They have to find out what the personnel of their secondary is going to be because you, now you've had two wide receivers in back-to-back weeks go go over 100 yards. If it's not Marcus Peters, then you're it, people have brought, brought up Brandon Faison coming back. People, I brought up Jack Jones, who they claimed off waivers from the Patriots will probably get more run. Amik Robertson is playing well. He's going to be on the field. Do you move Nate Hobbs to the perimeter or do you keep him in the slot? 
I, you know, they have some decisions to make there as well with their secondary because if they don't, they're going to see Justin Jefferson later this year. He's on the way back eventually. They're going to see Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis, you know, who's playing pretty well. They're going to see Cortland Sutton in Denver. They're going to see Keenan Allen in Los Angeles. They're going to see the Chargers again on Christmas, which means another dosing of Rasheed Rice. So they have to figure out what their coverage is going to be in the secondary or else they're going to get burned in those games. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you think about these teams that they're going to face, and are, are there some winnable games there? Of course there are. But at the same time, if you don't figure out some of those issues, I mean, again, two games over 20 points this year. The Raiders, the Raiders cannot consistently put the ball in the end zone, and they have to figure out how to do that to have any shot uh, towards the end of the season. And I say shot just at winning ball games because, like you said, some of these teams they're facing in Denver, as much as people hate the, the, the donkeys, as they call them, um, they are on fire five in a row. And as I said several mm-hmm. weeks ago before Halloween, Russell Wilson was having a good year. It was just it was just being masked by a bad performance by his team. They've now put it together. Uh, and as much as he is a cocky SOB, got to give Sean Payton credit for that. He had a bad start, 70 points to the Dolphins. <laughs> Doesn't get worse than that. But to his credit, you saw there's, there's an experienced coaching staff bringing that team together, finding a way – to turn around, whether they make the playoffs or not, I don't know. They're in sole possession of second place right now in the AFC West. Scott, I know Raider fans aren't going to hear this, but I said this in the offseason. Bringing in a Super Bowl winning head coach matters. I know a lot of people want to say Sean Payton was overpaid. The Broncos traded for him. When you you see what you saw with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence, right? Yes. Trevor Lawrence didn't look like a good quarterback under Urban Meyer, and that was a disaster. They bring in a Super Bowl winning head coach in Doug Peterson. Now the Jaguars are probably going to be on their way to a to back-to-back AFC South titles. Russell Wilson, a lot of people told me he was washed. We on this show said we don't expect Russell Wilson to be the Pro Bowl player he was in Seattle, but we expected him to improve under Sean Payton. A lot of people called this idiots. Sean Payton is overpaid. He's living off that old Super Bowl in New Orleans from 2009. Look at Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos now. And this goes back, this ties, I bring this up because this ties into the Raiders head coaching search. This is why I said you have to look at the resume. If there's a Super Bowl winning head coach that's available and has a pristine resume, recent wins, a high win percentage, you have to look at that. You can't have tunnel vision and say, nope, Antonio Pierce is our guy. We're not going to look at anyone else. Right. The best, may the best candidate win. You saw it work in Jacksonville. You're seeing it work right now in Denver. Absolutely. No question. That's what you got to do. And you got to do that on the field too with the players, with your player acquisition, your drafting, all that stuff. And and this is going to be... I mean, they're all important, obviously, in the NFL, today's modern NFL with salary caps and whatnot. But this draft is going to be very, very big for this Raiders because of what we talked about earlier, the quarterback, because of the key positions in the trenches. They need to get talent there, young talent, and they're not going to fix it all with free agents. They need to do it and develop player players from within, and that comes through the draft. Mo, uh, it is Tuesday. Tell everybody what you got going this week. I know we're not going to do our normal Thursday show. We are maybe going to do a mailbag show. We'll see. We've got some mail uh, back up. We'll see if we can get it together uh, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, but what else do you got this week with the Raiders in the bye? Yeah, we got to get the voices of Raider Nation back Yes, on the show with our voicemails. Uh, so Wednesday, I'll have a Bleach Report Live. The topic will be TBD. I will put it out on the X probably about an hour before I go live. I also have a sports nuts, Pete, a sport, not 
Sports Not Peace. I should get the name right of the company I work for. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll talk about what the Raiders can do over the bye. We kind of touched on it today. Some tweaks that they can have, make to the secondary and to their offense so that they come out of the bye firing and possibly go on a run. Uh, I know playoffs is not the t- topic of discussion for the Raiders right now after losing back-to-back games against playoff caliber teams, but I wouldn't say 4-1 is impossible. And, and if they go 4-1, they put themselves back in the playoff discussion. Right. And and the 4-1, and one too, as you mentioned, they play the Chiefs on Christmas Day. That's a tough one in Kansas City. It's going to be cold, the whole deal. But if you get on a roll before that and you get the confidence and, and your offense is scoring points, if they can score points. I mean, look, they, they were moving the ball against the Chiefs when they were being aggressive and when they had a good play pl- mm-hmm. uh, plan. Play call plan. So if they do that, fine. So so you're right. I, I'm not in any way. I think it's 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 not probable that they go four and one, but it is possible. Yeah, it's possible. Right? Mm-hmm. It's possible. And so I, I don't think fans should get discouraged, but I also think the Raiders need to focus not only on winning games because that's it's a professional game. You need to, but also focus on developing talent. See what you have. There's guys on that that were on the inactive list on Sunday that I think you should have active and see what you got. Unless they're so bad already, you decided that they're not worth it, and you're going to say goodbye to them. Who knows? They're all they're rookies, though, so I doubt it. I doubt it. Go. Quick point, quick point though, Scott. Yeah. If they lose to the Vikings coming out of the bye, you absolutely got to unleash the rookies. Just let the kids play because at that point you're five and eight, and the playoffs are just basically slim to none chance. If Correct. they lose, I don't want to call this. We don't like to use must win on this show a lot. But in terms of playoff hopes, if they don't beat the Vikings, then you can you can put that away. You can put that to yep. bed. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Especially going three in a row with the buy in between. It, yeah, that's mm. not not gonna. That's not gonna, especially with the way it's tightening up. Look at the Broncos again. The Broncos they've surged out of nowhere. You talked about Jacksonville. Jacksonville is now the number one seed in the AFC. Who would have thought? Right now, you got the the, the Ravens. They're obviously playing really well too. Uh, especially that defense. Imagine that. So, uh, guy, that Patrick Queen guy is pretty good. Yeah, I saw him last night make a play. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, someone on the show was calling for the Raiders to trade for him. I don't know who it was. Yes, but. yes, didn't happen. Dave Ziegler was too busy uh, looking for uh, diamonds in the rough. I guess I don't know. Who knows? Or looking for uh, a new job. But anyway, make sure you check out Mo's work there on Bleacher Report and also on Sports Not, and check out his live show on Wednesday. It's always a good time in there. So download that Bleacher Report app so you can check it out. All right, we're going to check out ourselves. We're going to enjoy a little more time this week. So like I said, we're going to, Mo and I will work together. We'll get a mailbag show, even if it's a shorter one, because we do, I do have a backlog of mail and voicemails. So I think that's what we'll come back at you with, because nothing to analyze this week. The Raiders are not playing. So we'll just have some fun and good times. And maybe I'll even throw some wild and wacky food questions at Mo and see what he comes back with, because everybody loves your food takes, so. We'll, we'll see what happens. Love is the new hate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Momotin, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll get back to you soon with that mailbag show. Enjoy the bye week off. Enjoy your Sunday uh, without the Raiders. I know it's tough, but I know you'll find something fun to do. From all of us here to all of you, have a great week.